occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 55. I'm Abby. I'm Kate. And we'll be your ghostesses in this festive season. We're going to talk about some spooky festive things today. Well, I am. I don't know. I'm not. What are you covering today, Kate? Well, this week my story has literally nothing to do with the festive season. Oh, that's just brilliant. Yeah. really fits in with my one. Yeah, it was just a <laughs> creepy story about a robot monster, so I thought I'd share it with you. That sounds pretty sick, I'm not going to lie. I'm talking about... Big Cat. Some fun folklore. I'm talking about <laughs> the Snow Wasset, which is a winter cryptid. I'm talking about the Yule family, the Yule Cat, some Icelandic festive, festive stories. Nice. I'm pretty excited about it. Me too. I saw a photo of that big cat and I love him. He's less relevant than I wish he was. But in my head, he's just the best. He's big, soft. We'll talk about him later. What do you have for us in the news today, Kate? Okay, so my weird news. If you haven't yet listened to the Zodiac Killer episode that we did, then please go and do so now so that this news makes any sense to you. At the end of last week, David Oranchak, Sam Blake, and Jarl van Eiker finally cracked the 340-character cipher that was previously unsolved. That's insane. Yeah. And I feel like very coincidental that we just covered this. I know, right? Like two weeks ago, I, was, I don't know. Time isn't real anymore. It, no, it's not. Not at all. I literally wouldn't know what day it was if it wasn't for the podcast. Right. Uh, this is according to metro.co.uk. Uh, the cipher reads, I hope you are having lots of fun trying to catch me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me. It then goes on to be the usual waffle from the Zodiac Killer about how great he is and how he wants to kill people because they suck. Blah, blah, blah. We get it, pal. Yeah, right? He's very one-note. Mm. Again, although he teased that it did, it does not contain his identity, which sucks, but at least another piece of the puzzle is solved. Definitely. It's very impressive yeah. that, that they did that. And the FBI confirmed that it had been correctly solved and thanked him for their work. So, pretty rad. Could you imagine if he did reveal his identity in that and we just we got him? Right? That would have been insane. He would never do it, though. No. Hopefully we'll figure it out, though. Fingers crossed. I mean, like, if we can still solve something this late on, maybe we can figure it out. There's always hope. There is. We'll have to see very uplifting, positive message before Abby starts talking about weird festive cryptids. They're fun. They're fun and exciting. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into some uh, spooky question mark, question mark stuff? <laughs> um, no, thank you guys so much for all of the lovely messages. We enjoy to read them and we are glad that you guys enjoy the show. I'm getting a lot more when it, uh, oh my god. Blah, 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 blah. On the what's the word for it? As we're getting closer to Christmas is what I wanted to say. I wanted to say it's like a nice present, but I just messed it up. So I'm just going to talk about uh, some other stuff instead. Do you, by any chance, own a podcast? Own it? Co-own. Oh, baby. (laughs) Today, (laughs) we're going to talk about some fun folklore. The Snow Wasset. Never say that to me And because there's not a lot on him, we're also going to talk about the Icelandic Yule Cat and the rest of the Yule family who are... Less important when there's a big cat, isn't Absolute there? darlings, but not as cool as the cat. <laughs> not as big and soft. My sources are monster.fandom.com, cryptids with a Z, 
Dolphanum.com. Oh, love cryptids with a Z. Dolphanum.com. OneKindPlanet.org, SmithsonianMag.com, Wikipedia, Ayascat.com, and Medievalists.net. I'm sorry. Who? Ayascat. Do you remember the can I has cheeseburger meme? I was going to say, what is this? Like 2009? I love that. My God. All right, so let's start off with the snow wasset. This beautiful cryptid originates from Canada, and it's thought to hibernate during the summer when it's hot and become active when it's really cold outside, making it a winter creature that's totally appropriate for this December episode. That it is. I am, again, can only apologize that mine is not. All right, I feel it's the fine. digs it's fine. coming at me. Apparently, in the summer, it turns green and curls up to sleep in a swamp. Me too. <laughs> Same. Physically, the snow wasset looks similar to a giant weasel, or a strange dog with pointy little ears and a tail. That's sweet. Some photos of it, it looks quite sweet. Obviously, they're all drawings. We don't have any photos of this. But some of them, it looks a bit uh, scary. In the summer, it has short little legs that allow it to creep around in the shade. And it's thought to have grey or white fur on its body to help it blend in with its surroundings. However, my favourite thing about this is that once the first snow comes... This little dude sheds his legs so it can burrow into the snow and wiggle through it like a snake to sneak up on its prey. Um, I have a couple questions. It just decides it its legs don't it doesn't need him anymore and just becomes a worm. How do you shed limbs? Chuck them off. Quick cue. I respect it. You just, he can do it. He's like, you know what? Screw that. Too cold for limbs. Don't need it. Well, it's efficient because then he doesn't have to walk anymore. He can just go into the snow, wiggle through it, Problem solved. True. You could also wiggle through snow with legs. Consider Why would that you? One. If you could just chuck them off for Stupid a bit. Stupid snow wasset. Ah, don't be Idiot. rude. Get some legs. Oh my god. <laughs> because of this, it can efficiently sneak up on unsuspecting food, such as birds and rabbits. It's thought to have an incredible appetite and no animal is safe. I imagined like birds in trees and I was like, oh my god, does he like propel himself out of the ground straight up to a bird on a tree and then I realised that like birds also come onto the ground for food. Yeah, they, they stand on the floor and then the thing comes up from the from the snow and just grabs it from the depths. And sometimes it drags them into the snow to oh eat Oh my goodness. Its appetite is thought to be compar- comparable to a wolverine. And if you didn't know, the wolverine's Latin name literally means glutton. Yeah, I know they eat a lot. Probably because it eats ferociously quick. And it leaves absolutely nothing behind. This sounds like me at like bones an all you can eat buffet. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but bones and all really sums me up. However, the wasset is thought to be around four times bigger than the wolverine, so it can essentially just make any creature disappear, and it must eat very large quantities of food to survive. Could it eat a human? Probably. There's not much on it, though, so we don't know if it has ever eaten a human. But it, I guess it could. Why would it not? We are meaty people. Well, I thought maybe it would be... Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I thought maybe <laughs> we might be too big. Um. Well, there's a photo... Again, not a photo. A drawing of it attacking, like, a wolf. Oh. So I guess that well, we're everyone's doomed. up for grabs. Okay, no one go outside. Don't go in the snow if you're in Canada, guys. This is a public service announcement. Stay inside. This creature was first thought to be recorded by a party of white men when they discovered a Native American in a strange-looking canoe. When they got closer, they realised it was actually the stretched-out hide from an unusual animal. The Native man told them that they would use the pelt of the animal for canoes, as there would be no leg holes, 
So they made the perfect convenient shape. Here it comes again with the no leg holes. And they were also used as sleds. That's horrible. The Native Americans are thought to use uh, a lot of deadfall log traps in order to kill one because you can't tell which direction the creature is going like to under the snow. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. That's all the information on the snow wasp. A hungry, hunting noodle weasel. A hungry, hungry hippo. You want to do the scale scale before we talk about the Yule boys? Might as well. And girls? Yeah. All right. How scary is the snow wasp? Well, now I know that it could eat people, too. <laughs> Only two? Yeah. Listen. A lot of things can eat people. It's just whether they do. I could eat a person. True. But I wouldn't. No. Please do not. I have no desire to eat a person. I mean... That sounds exactly like someone who would eat a person would say. Yeah. Also, we've all thought about it. I guess. I don't eat meat. Yeah. No, me neither. But... Like, that makes a difference. I do wonder what a person would taste like. I've I've like heard Pork, right? It would taste like pork. Yeah. Which, fair enough, kind of makes sense. I would not try it. Disclaimer, for legal reasons, I am inserting that I will not eat a person. You don't need to be talking about this as much as you are. We could have just moved on a while ago. (laughs) Dangerous is the snow wasp. Catch me hyperventilating. Dangerous? That was the cue. Like a three. How likely is it that it exists? Uh, You've given me barely any information That's all there is. But I thought it was worth knowing because it's, it's wiggly. It's nice. I don't think it's physically possible for an animal to just shed its legs. Yeah. So I'm going to say a one. That's a shame. Any other ideas? I'm sorry. He's really sweet. Um, I was thinking maybe it's like like a snow fox, like an arctic fox or something. I obviously, those are in the arctic, but you know what I mean? Something similar. Yeah. That where if the snow is so high, it looks like it doesn't have any legs. Because mm-hmm. like its legs are in the snow, so sort of like a, a fox, because then it would go and kill other animals and stuff. Yeah, uh, maybe just folklore. Maybe that Native American guy was just pulling the white guy's legs. Possibly he was like, "Ooh, yeah, spooky snow snake," and the white men were like, "Oh my god, spooky snow snake." Yeah, <laughs> I should have called the episode that instead. <laughs> okay, any other ideas? Are we good? Uh. That it exists. I suppose. I can't rule it out. Okay, so next, let's talk about the Yule family. Woo. We'll start with the head of the household, and that is Gryla, a giantess. She was first mentioned in the 13th century uh, in mythology, but wasn't connected to Christmas until the 17th century, when people decided that she ate children. Nice. She is enormous, and begs <laughs> parents to give her disobedient children. Just hand them over. That's so rude. She, she is enormous. Well, she's a giant. She is obese. No, she's big. Oh, like scaled up. She's a giant. I thought you meant a giantess. Like super fat. I was like, why are you commenting on her weight? Why Leave would I mention alone? that? That's, That's very rude. Slimming world. No, she's a big person. Oh. Giant. Oh. Lives in a cave. Why didn't you describe her as a giant? I said she's a giantess in the first piece. Oh, I said... Sorry. And that's Gryla, a giantess. Listen, I don't listen to you on purpose because I'm bored. Why are you here? (laughs) Anyway, yeah, she begs parents to give her their disobedient children so that she can eat them. However, if you chase her or give her food, she will leave. Oh, that's nice. Does it have to be children? Or can you just give her some, like, pork? Um, 
I don't know. It's just as if you give her food, she'll go. Oh. I guess she'll just be like, this is fine, but I'm coming back for your kid. Shot her a hot cross bun and be like, give him another week. She can detect if children are misbehaving. And during Christmas, she searches around nearby villages and towns looking for a snack. Me. She picks kids up and puts them in her sack and then takes them back to her cave. In fact, her favourite dish is naughty children's stew. And there's always plenty to go around. I want to know what seasonings she is using. Rosemary. As for her personal life, Gryla lives in a cave. It's kind of sad because apparently she used to live in a cottage before she was kicked out of town. Aww. Apparently she's extremely ugly. But Me. that clearly doesn't stop her from being desirable because she lives with her third husband, Lepaloui. Lepaloui. The team. I couldn't find any other information about her other husbands. Bet she did. But I love that she's married to uh, Lepaloui. The fact that she's got, she's only a third husband is so funny because what a random piece of information. It really made me laugh. Yeah, for a sort of folklore type thing, it's odd to have that much backstory. Yeah. Like, here's the snow wasset. He's the second cousin once removed of the Arctic fox. Right? Like, like, I'm glad to know that she is getting love. Yeah, glad to know she's living her best life. She will not take anything less than what she deserves. Exactly. Lepaludi is extremely lazy, and he stays inside of the cave almost always. Have you ever related to something that we've spoken about on the podcast? This. Yeah. Together, the couple have 13 children, known as the Yule Lads, and a huge cat called the Yule Cat. Well, I've figured out what her hobby is. The Yule Lads are very mischievous and are known for annoying and pranking people around Christmas. They come into town one by one on the 13 days leading up to Christmas to bother people, basically. But they're not all bad. If you've been good, they'll leave some small gifts in your shoes if you place them on your windowsills. If you've been bad, though, they'll leave you a potato. I like that you can tell this was aimed like to strike fear into the hearts of children. Because if I was given a free potato, I'd be chuffed. Um, I have actually heard about the things being left in the shoes before. And apparently it's a rotten potato. I was just going to say, one source did say that the potato was rotten. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. I feel like it probably is not just a nice potato. Like, oh, sick. Roasties. One roast potato. Apparently, the Yule Lads used to be a lot scarier and creepier. But in 1746, parents were banned from telling their kids horrifying stories about the Yule Lads. So now they're more just irritating than scary. Who's going to knock on you for telling your kids that? (laughs) But as I said... (laughs) They do leave gifts, so it's a pretty sweet deal if you ignore their giant parents and the evil cat. What? The what cat? I'll give you a full outline on the lads and the days leading up to Yule. I'll be saying the English translation, however, as I don't want to butcher Icelandic names. Like you and already I think have. you will all thank me for that, honestly. Gria. First up, it's Sheepcoat Claude. Sorry? <laughs> this little dude comes from the cave on the 12th of December to suckle on sheep and generally bother them. However, he has stiff peg legs, which can make this a little tricky. He has what? The next day... <laughs> He's got these sheep not running away from him? They just hear him, like, running. On the 13th, Gully Gork will visit. This guy sneaks into cow sheds to steal their milk. On the 14th day... You'll get stubby. He's very short and will <laughs> will steal food and crust from your frying pan. That's you. You're stubby. 
<laughs> On the fifteenth day, don't leave any spoons out, lest they be licked by sp spoon licker. <laughs> Spoonlicker does what it says on the tin. He steals your wooden spoons and he licks them. He's extremely thin because this is all the food poor Spoonlicker gets. <laughs> Do we need to take a break? Should we take a break? Oh my god, no. Please continue. <laughs> Spoonlicker. The next day, pot scraper or pot licker will visit. I wonder what he does. Stealing leftovers from your pots and licking all unwashed pots clean. I could really use him coming to the house right now. If you thought you were finally out of the woods from the kitchenware liquors, then be prepared for bowl liquor. <laughs> Back in the day, Icelanders used to sometimes store a asker, I think it's called, under the bed, which is a type of bowl with a lid used instead of dishes. If you put your bowl under the bed while bowl liquor is about, he'll unsurprisingly take it and lick it all clean. On the 18th, you'll have trouble getting to sleep because door slammer will be there, slamming all the doors. <laughs> The next day, Skur Gobbler will show up to eat your Skur, which is kind of like an Icelandic yogurt. My personal favourite name is Sausage Swiper, who shows up five days before Christmas to steal all your sausages. Swipe them. Um, okay, I have two notes here. Number one, it's Skir. And number two... Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise you were Icelandic. Well, actually, I went to Iceland once. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I've just seen the adverts, because we have it here as well. Okay. And number two, Sausage Stealer and I could be good pals. Sausage Swiper. Oh, sorry. Swiper. Swiping. After this, you'll get Window Peeper, who creeps outside your windows looking for stuff to steal. And then you get Doorway Sniffer, <laughs> who has a huge nose and a great sense of smell. <laughs> this little dude comes and figures out where your bread is kept just by sniffing. Then he, of course, steals it. Oh my god. He's like a seagull. Next up is Meat Hook. Oh my god. Who uses a hook to steal any meat you have laying about. And finally on Christmas Eve, Candle Stealer rocks up to steal your candles. This is because candles were once edible, and these are some hungry Yule lads. Wow, what were they made of? They were made from beef fat. Wow. That's so interesting. I would have thought it was like honeycomb. Well, the more you know, a bit grosser than that. Those wouldn't smell good. Well, they'd light and they would give you light. <laughs> oh my god, is that how a candle works? Well, before electricity. Oh my god. You'd use them to see. <laughs> you mean electricity hasn't been around forever? Surprisingly not. Oh my god. Welcome back to the education podcast where I teach you things. <laughs> this is a mess. Okay. So finally, we have the huge cat, the Yule cat. Ah, the moment we've all been waiting for. The Yule cat is an enormous, vicious cat who lives in the cave as part of the family and eats people who don't have brand new clothes for Christmas Eve. Oh my god. This makes me laugh a lot. Why does the big cat care what you're wearing? <laughs> he's, he's got, got a fashion eye degree. For fashion. <laughs> and he's not afraid to use it. <laughs> The Yule Cat was only written about in the 19th century, and it was used by farmers to scare their workers into finishing their work before Christmas, or the Yule Cat would eat them. If they got their work done, they would be rewarded with new clothes, but those who did not would be preyed upon by the Yule Cat. 
Oh, that makes sense. Makes a lot more sense. I was wondering why he was just judging you on your gums. However, in some stories, the big cat doesn't eat people at all. He instead just hangs out and eats your Christmas dinner if you're not wearing any new clothes. This sounds like Ernie. Basically, if you don't have a new fit, the cat's going to punish you somehow. <laughs> the idea behind this, although it sounds kind of ridiculous, is that families gift each other warm winter clothes, and you have to work hard to afford the clothes. So if you don't work hard, the cat will get you. Yeah. Oh, that's th- right. Okay. I think it also probably would help in like modern times to convince children to wear their new warm clothes for the winter. Why would you not want to? If I ever got clothes for Christmas or, you know, for earlier on in the winter season, I would absolutely don them all the time. That's very nice. Yeah. I'm sure not all children are that easy to look after. As soon as I open Christmas clothes, I'm like, I'll go try that on. Like, obviously, I finished the rest of the presents. What if they're ugly? And then I'm like, preemie wearing these hideous, hideous garments. (laughs) The cat is very big and can easily swallow a child whole. Same. Me and this cat relate. (laughs) So he's supposed to be kind of vicious, but I just like to imagine a big, huge cat. Yeah, right? And that brings me joy. It does. Soft. Warm. Baby. Sweet. Cuddle up with it. True. And we're in new clothes, so it's fine. I'm not. But I could get some. And then I could hang out with him. Does he visit you even if you're not? wearing new clothes no i think he just comes to get you okay well catch me not wearing new clothes on christmas and then he turns up and then i just quickly put a sock on i'm like "Ah, now you're here pat pat and then you can rub his little his little tum i would not do that because cats generally do not enjoy that and i would not want the cat to eat me so cute though (laughs) oh who's up little giant pizza these abby would die i'm touching his like little head he's like trying to get me (laughs) i'm too quick for him Mm. I highly doubt that. Alright, let's do the scare scale for the Yule fam. Okay. Scare. One. <laughs> Why? Because they're not scary. Well, man's debatable. just coming in your house and licking your spoons. One of them's a giant. So? And she gets you. So? <laughs> Spoon licker isn't the scariest of all of them. Their mum is. We'll see. I'm going to rate them higher on danger. Okay, danger. Like, three. Because one of them can eat you. But the other one's just a lazy dad. One of them is a giant cat. I'm just relating to this family a lot. I'm not that afraid. Okay, likelihood. Listen, to all of the Icelandic people out there, just going to say a big sorry for this one. One. Fair enough. Yeah. Any other ideas? Fun folklore? It feels a bit just like... It's around the same same route as Santa Claus. It's that kind of thing. Like what? Santa's real. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say because people listen to this with their kids. Um, Maybe just cut that out. Let's take a break now. (laughs) If you like the podcast and you want to support us on Patreon, please do that at patreon.com forward slash myths, magic, murder. Thank you so much to everybody who already does. It's how we support the show. It's how we pay for everything, all the equipment, all of the licensing, all that stuff. So thank you. We don't have any tears there. I mean, we've just lost (laughs) everything. 
every listener. No, I didn't say anything. Um, over on Patreon, like Abby said, we don't have any tiers, but you can get some extra episodes, some extra behind the scenes stuff, you'll get to know what's going on when, and you get a 10% off of our merchandise, which you can get at mythsmagicandmurder.com. Just click on the merch button. Yeah, we love to see you wearing the things that we make for you. It's sweet. It's nice. Santa Claus is real. Stop talking. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm just said, just said that to, to scare Kate because it's a scary podcast. What? Don't worry, children. <laughs> I quit. I officially quit. This is it. This is the end of the show. I'm not even telling you about mine. If you have any terrifying tales, haunted happenings, or spooky stories, you can email them over to us on mythsmagicandmurder.gmail.com. At gmail.com. God's sake. Merry Christmas. Get it together. <laughs> okay. Are you done now? Yeah, that's it. Ruining lives. Okay. No. It was just <clears throat> simply a prank for you. My sources this week are Wikipedia, Charleston Daily Mail, VeryWellMind.com, LCA psychology.weebly.com uh, Pank and Jay did a schema theory paper in 2013 alpages.com, history.com wvculture.org and medium.com So The Flatwoods Monster is otherwise known as the Braxton County Monster or the Phantom of Flatwoods You should probably start off by explaining the Flatwoods part before we get into the weird bits Would that flat? Flatwoods is a town in Braxton County, West Virginia Oh, sorry. It's really not a very big town at all, with less than 300 people residing there. The perfect place for a homegrown cryptid, in my opinion. Yeah. This story starts all the way back in 1952. I was going to say I have no smart-ass remark for what makes this year so great, but then I looked it up and found that Liz the Lizard Queen took over our country in that year. So, (laughs) that's something. Glad I found that, because the next most interesting thing was that Winston, Winston Churchill told everyone we had an atomic bomb just to scare him, so... An eventful year for the UK. Anyway, this story isn't about those things, because we're in the US here. So, 1952 was a Friday evening, the 12th of September, at 7.15pm. I was going to say a chilly evening, but I have literally no clue about American climate. Me either. California hot. <laughs> It snows in New York from the movies I've seen. Yeah. Hawaii hot. I've literally... (laughs) I've no idea. I'm so sorry. Tornadoes. been to different parts of America, but I still have zero clue. Florida's hot, right? Yeah. Boiling. Everyone in America, comment your state and tell us what the climate's like. Yeah. Please let me know if it actually gets cold there or not, because we live in perpetual cold and rain. Mm Mm-hmm. England is a cold place, but it is nice. Sometimes. Regardless of the weather, 13-year-old Edward and 12-year-old Fred May were out playing with their friend, Tommy Heyer, who was 10. The boys were just messing around until they all saw a bright light moving across the sky, which eventually landed in the neighbouring land of local farmer G. Bailey Fisher. Unsure of what to do, the brothers Edward and Fred went home to tell their mum, Kathleen, what had happened, so she could instruct them further, obviously. Well, like, running home to mum is, like, first port of call. I imagine Kathleen thought it was all a joke, but eventually was persuaded by the boys to go check it out. Personally, regardless of how shook my kid was, I would think it was a prank, but I trust literally zero people. Fair enough. (laughs) By the time they went to go check, they'd formed a small group. 
The three original boys went with the May's mother. But as well as this, some of the boys' friends, including Neil Nunley, who was 14, and Ronnie Shaver, 10, went with them. 17-year-old Eugene Lemon went too, and brought his dog Ricky along. Aww. Eugene was a member of the National Guardsmen of West Virginia, which as far as I'm aware is like army slash military thing. So like, a good a good guy to take with you, I guess. Probably, yeah. So this squad headed over to the farmer's land, across the hill, to see what exactly had gone on. One that was stood at the top of the hill, Neil said he saw a pulsing red light from not too far away. Eugene claimed to have seen a tall man-like figure in a tree with a round red face and green skin that seemed to glow, surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. Some of the younger boys said that the figure was ten foot tall. Kathleen described what she had seen as something with small, claw-like hands and a head that resembled the ace of spades, wearing what looked to be a green pleated skirt. Oh. Fashion. Fashion. (laughs) The Yule Cat ain't coming for me, hun. (laughs) So obviously all of these witnesses report reasonably different things. Since the kid only saw a light, the guard saw an outline of a creature, and Kathleen was pretty much in an embrace with the thing, getting a close-up on its fingernails. (laughs) (laughs) What the whole group can testify to is that the figure, or light, made a rhythmic thumping sound, then a very loud hissing sound, causing them to scream and run away. Understandable. Have a nice day. Then according to Kathleen, who immediately fell over backwards as soon as she started running... The monster started after them with a bounding motion, and its claws were outstretched. They all made it out fine, including the dog. Do not worry. Oh, golly. But they continued to suffer. One of the younger boys peed himself. Oh. Yeah. And most of the boys threw up for several hours afterwards, because they could still smell a horrible burning stench that was present in a mist at the scene. Interesting. Eugene Lemon immediately went to go grab A. Lee Stewart and some other men, who grabbed their guns and followed him back to the site. They got there about half an hour after the previous group had returned, and they could still smell whatever it was there, but it was only noticeable when sniffing the ground rather than being present in a mist. So, like, the smell had fallen. Right. In addition to this, they all reported being able to feel some kind of bizarre heat. So I guess it wasn't that warm. Lee later told the press that he didn't think the group were making anything up, as he claimed that it would be impossible for people to make up a story that quickly, and when he saw them all, they were all far too shaken up to be faking anything. Since the reports varied so widely, and since eyewitnesses cannot be trusted, which is literally just a psychology fact, I will explain, the police just laughed in their faces saying the monster had grown from 7 foot to 17 foot in the space of 24 hours. Equally, when they went to go and check the site for a downed aircraft, they saw, heard, and smelled nothing. I'm going to go a bit off track to explain why eyewitness testimonies are just awful. Oh, what you want to do is just remind everybody. Uh, Don't know if you know, I took psychology at uni, so... (laughs) I'm such a pain in the arse. Why does anyone listen to this? So one of the main reasons that eyewitness testimonies aren't great, and the reason that would fit this scenario the best, 
is because of reconstructive memories. I'm sure you've all experienced at some point in your life where you've been telling someone an event and someone else chirps in like, um, actually, that's not what happened. And then you want to shrivel up into a hole and die. Yes. Well, we as people have got a set of schemas in our heads, which is like a category of information in your head. For example, in children, when they see it's when they see a horse, right, and your parents are like that's a horse, they might then see a cow later, which has similar attributes to a horse: four legs, big head, tall. They may call it horse until their schema of a horse or cow gets more information, right? Right. Well, schemas don't go away as we get older; they just have more information in them. So you know when a horse is a horse and a cow is a cow. We also don't just have schemas for objects. We have event schemas, like how you should act when shaking hands at a job interview. Social schemas, like not walking down the street naked. And other ones like personal schemas, person schemas, stuff like that. So how would that sabotage an eyewitness testimony? Well, if you have all of these different things going on in your head, Then when you see something, for example the Flatwoods monster, you may call it a monster in your head. And the monster schema is that monsters are huge and green, even though what you saw was small and red. So you may trick yourself into believing your schema, so when you report it to the police, you say it's huge and green. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. We're on it. That's interesting. This was shown in Bartlett's War of the Ghosts study, which I'll mention over on Patreon for those that don't want to hear any more of my ramblings on this episode. Fair enough. You want to hear about my degree? Ask me a film question. Don't. 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 How does Titanic don't. go? I've, um, the boat, uh, there's a boat. You've never seen it. <laughs> I'm oh. outing you right here. I have a degree in film. I specialised in horror movies, unsurprisingly. <laughs> so the police found nothing when they went, right? Yeah? Yes. But... A. Lee Stewart, from earlier, went back the day after police went, and he found what looked to be skid marks in the field, which I guess isn't that weird, but on the marks themselves there was an odd gummy deposit. Ew. Which was attributed to be from a UFO landing by alien people everywhere. Oh. It's an alien. Could be. Maybe. Also, Kathleen had a weird greasy substance on the clothes she'd been wearing that night, but found that no matter how many times she washed her clothes, it just wouldn't come out. If this wasn't strange enough, apparently she had been told by government officials to not give out her information to anyone. Oh, that's shady. The story then got huge, especially since it was in a small town as well, so why would someone create such an elaborate prank involving so many people from different families? It just makes no sense. The story was rated number 11 for the year by the National Press Services. Please do not ask me what number one is. I tried looking it up. There was nothing. Probably something about atomic bombs. That's number one. That was big at the time. I don't know. So what could it have been? Boring edition. Could have been a meteor from the overhead meteor shower. Boo. On the night of the event, a meteor had been seen over Maryland, West Virginia and Pennsylvania. It would explain the glowing red, I guess. And I presume that meteors are pretty hot when they hit the Earth, so maybe it could also explain the hissing? Yeah, that's fair enough. Don't quote me on that, I just made it up. No, it's kind of like when you put, um... 
cold water in a pan. Yeah, I was going to use a completely different, vaguer, stranger thing. <laughs> I was going to say, when you take bread out of the freezer and you put it in the toaster and you, and you toast it, and then the toaster is hot, and then you put another piece of frozen bread into the toaster and it goes tss. But your one makes way more sense. <laughs> Equally, it could have been a barn owl perched on a tree branch. This would coincide with the report of it being on a tree. I guess if a torch was pointed at an owl's eyes, they might glow like other animals do, which could also explain that. Equally, the hissing is apparently quite common for an owl if they're afraid and trying to scare something off. And when defending themselves, an owl will fluff up its feathers to increase its size and will spread its wings out, which might explain the, the apparent size of the monster and why it had a pointed hood shape. Oh, interesting. Also, maybe there was a large bush under the tree, right? So when they saw it, they were obviously, you know, freaking out. They thought that a UFO had landed or whatever. So that could be what Kathleen said was like, it's green skirt. And obviously owls have clawed feet, which might have been mistaken for the small clawed hands. Part of my problem with it being an owl is that all of the people in this town grew up in a fairy, fairly rural place. So you would have seen an owl before. Surely they would know what a barn owl is, right? I get it with kids because they have wild imaginations, but a mum being like, nah, that's an alien, not an owl. Really, I don't know. It's different. Yeah. The strange smell has since been attributed to a strange type of grass that just stinks. Oh. Yeah. Weird things on this planet we found out every day. <laughs> Stinky grass is today. Which could explain why Lee Stewart could only smell the odour upon sniffing the ground. Alternatively, instead of stinky grass, it could be a nearby natural sulfur spring. God, try saying that quick. No. But that wouldn't really explain why the police couldn't smell anything weird when they went... Same with the grass, though. Maybe... Selective know. stinky grass. Yeah, right? Only stinky with the people it trusts. Pranky stinky that, grass. That's me. <laughs> Selectively stinky. However, it could have been an alien, but we'll never know. Interesting. The one thing that did seem weird was when two Air Force investigators had shown up in Flatwoods, posing as magazine writers, asking all of the locals what they'd seen or heard about the strange events. Ooh. Whatever it was, the May brothers are still alive and standing by their story that they saw a monster. And if you're interested in this, there's a set of five official Flatwood monster chairs one of which is by the town hall as like a tourist landmark, which is super cute. We'll put a photo on social media. At Mids Magic Pod. Oh my god, I didn't say to follow us earlier. Well, there you go. Now's your time. Quick. Oh my god, at Mids Magic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mostly Instagram though, but you should definitely follow us. We post really fun stuff. Advent calendar at the minute. Great. Woo. Cool posts every day. Also on the route leading into town, there's a welcome to Flatwoods, home of the green monster sign, which again is quite sweet. And if that wasn't enough, there's merch available in the Flatwoods Monster Museum that opened in 2017. I love that. And every year, the legend is celebrated with a three-day fete with food, drink, crafts, and music. Called, that sounds great. Called Flatwood Days. They even do a Flatwoods Monster Burger to entice hungry tourists in. Sick. Even if there was truly nothing there that day, it seems to be working in the favour of Flatwoods with these events. 
And it works in the favour of parents, too, as many children are told to be careful, or the huge monster will eat them alive. Fair enough. So that's that. What do you think? I don't really know what I think, honestly. What do you think? I think it's a monster. You do? Yeah. Why not? True, yeah. I'm I don't understand. understand. These people live in a rural place. You know what a barn owl looks like. Yeah, I feel like if you saw a barn owl, you wouldn't be like, oh my god, that's a scary monster. You'd be like, oh, weird animal. Yeah, you'd just be like, it's okay, kids. It's a barn owl. Not, I'm going to scare you kids for life. It's a monster. Right? Hmm. Okay, how scary do you think this is? I think it's like a solid three. Fair. How dangerous? Two. Purely because no one got hurt, but I feel like it could do some damage. Yeah, like if it has claws and if it was coming towards them, then I guess. But mm. likelihood that it is real. I'm going to say three. I'm going to put it right in the middle because I feel like there isn't there isn't really too much evidence either way. I think that the, the strange smell is weird, right? And the heat in the air. I don't know. I feel like it could be an alien. Also, the um, people warning them not to tell the story and stuff. Well, no one knows if that's true. Apparently, the Air Force definitely did look into it because they found, um, you know, like when they sort of discover old like cases from the Air Force or from like the military or whatever. Yeah. Like closed ones. They were looking into it. They wrote it off as a meteor shower. I think it's true that they even looked into it in the first place. Why humour it if you don't think anything's there? Well, like, I guess they thought something was there and then they were like, oh no, nothing's there. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any other ideas? I guess it could be a medium. It could be an owl. Alien. Is what I'm thinking. It could be like an undiscovered species with the coincidence of the stinky grass, I guess. <laughs> Coincidental stinky grass. Stinky patch of grass, randomly in the same place as a barn owl. Maybe there was a barn owl and it did a really nasty fart and the air was warm. Oh, stinky. That's gross. It's possible. You're so nasty. I'm just spitting out ideas. Anything else? No, that's it. Fair enough. Well, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fun episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. For Ooh. sure. Like we say, if you have anything that you would like to hear let us know yeah and if you like the show please leave us a review on itunes because it helps us rank so people can find us easier and finally don't listen before bed listen before bed